Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, everybody. Welcome once again to the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined, as always, by Wrestling Inc.'s own Raj Geary. And today, back for a guest appearance to talk about SmackDown last night, we have David Bixenspan. David, how's it going? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Doing well, man. Doing well. And by the way, I saw on your Twitter last week uh, that your ebook is out about uh, Paul White's uh, attempted boxing career. I have to say, I read the article that you wrote about that, and I look forward to getting that ebook and reading the expanded material. Thank you. Yeah, it's called, uh, same title as the article, The Great White Hope, with white spelled the same way as Big Joe's last name, W-I-G-H-T. You can get it on Amazon for Kindle, you can get it at PayHip, at Smashwords, maybe some other places that Smashwords syndicates it to as well. Only three books, uh, excuse me, not books, only three bucks, three dollars, uh, has the article from SB Nation, plus a lot of various bonus material including Vince McMahon testifying about the original booking plans for WrestleMania 24. So check that out. Of course, you can also just search for my name on those places, and you should be able to find it there as well. Thank you for giving me room for that plug. No, of course. Thanks for uh, coming on the show again. And that article was fantastic. I really look forward to the book. If you want to read about Big Show attempting to box, it's a really fascinating story. Uh, so today we're here to talk about SmackDown, talk about the second live SmackDown of the new era. Uh, we could also talk a little bit about uh, uh, Talking Smack, the new post-show that the WWE Network is doing after SmackDown. And uh, we're going to get into the show in a second. Just quickly, I want to thank the sponsor of today's episode, which is Host Papa. You know about Host Papa? They're, they have awesome web hosting solutions, cloud-based productivity tools, perfect for small business owners, digital entrepreneurs, and freelancers. Go to hostpapa.com slash wrestling. Use our promo code wrestling to save 15% off their popular shared web hosting packages. That's hostpapa.com slash wrestling. So, big picture thoughts about last night's SmackDown. Uh, Raj, to you first. I thought it was a good show. I thought it was, uh, and we'll, we'll talk more about this, but I thought it was better than Raw uh, by a lot. It... Uh, Never really dragged. I thought it went by fast, and yeah, I thought it, I thought it was the better show this week by far. David, of the two, which did you prefer this week? I'm kind of even this week. I mean, I think it kind of depends on what you were looking for in each show. You know, last week there was a fairly big gap because Raw was just such a fantastic show. Uh, this week, 
Uh, honestly, for maybe for just straight up enjoyment, I think I'd maybe say SmackDown Edge if just for the whole Eva Marie stick, which was probably <laughs> my favorite thing on either of the two shows. Really? This week. Okay, so we're we're definitely gonna have to talk about that uh, when we get to it. So let's uh let's start with the top of the show. So we open up with Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan backstage talking about what happened at the end of Monday Night Raw when Randy Orton showed up and RKO'd out of nowhere Brock Lesnar. Um, and they were talking about you know we need all this extra security. What if Brock gets in the building? Um, Daniel was talking about some of the matches coming up that night, including a triple threat for the Intercontinental Championship contender spot which was going to have Baron Corbin uh, and, and Apollo Creed. He dropped that, which, uh, you know, the internet and Daniel even made note of later in the evening. Um, but it was funny that, you know, I was still a little in the mindset of the old era because I actually wrote in my notes the first thing was Brock Lesnar's not showing up on SmackDown, thinking how things used to be where I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Brock's really going to show up. on You know, they're going to waste it on that show. But in the new era, and to juice the ratings, I mean, don't want to spoil it too much, but I'm assuming if you're listening to us, you watch the show. Um, what do you think about them continuing that angle, Raj, uh, as we head towards SummerSlam? I thought it was, you know, I thought it was, you know, I'd prefer them, you know, a week after, you know, two weeks after the draft to kind of, you know, not already be mixing, but, you know, they're, they kind of forced their, their hand with, you know, drafting them onto separate shows. So if you're going to do it, at least... You know, doing it this way, it uh, you know, it, it I I thought it was fine. I think I thought it was good that they had Lesnar appear uh, on SmackDown rather than just have Orton on Raw because it, it made SmackDown feel like a, a bigger show by doing that. Yeah. No, and what do you think about doing the cross show already in week two, David? Uh, we talked about this on Monday Night's Raw podcast, but this idea that they have this whole card that they're sitting on of, hey, having, you know, sort of an invasion between shows, what do you think about them literally busting this out uh, the very start of the week two of the brand split? I mean, I kind of have the same feelings as Raj. It's that they really, they shouldn't have, but this is the match they wanted to do when they put these guys on separate shows, so... There's not much they can do. I mean, at the at the bare minimum, they're doing if they're going to do it, they're doing it the right way. They're clearly delineating each guy as an outsider on the other guy's show. They're making it an event when each guy appears on the other guy's show. If you're going to do it, this is the way to do it. The issue is that they shouldn't be doing it, but if they're going to do it, they're doing it the right way. So, I'm at least satisfied with the execution, if not the actual planning. Yeah. Yeah, at least it's not, you know, already some random raw guy working on SmackDown, uh, you know, which which they would do in the past, uh, That kind of, which, you know, kind of started the downfall of the brand extension. So, uh, you know, hopefully after SummerSlam they keep them completely separate, but uh, but for what it was, I thought it was fine. Yeah, so the show started with that, and also uh, The Miz made a little appearance in the opening segment talking about uh, his uh, uh, dismay that he was not hoisted uh, up on the shoulders of the locker room in tribute. And and it caused me to have this epiphany. Tell me if you guys agree with this. SmackDown and Raw are kind of like the Muppet show in the sense that it's behind the scenes of a show that puts on a production. And I wrote, if SmackDown is the Muppet show, the Miz is Miss, Pig uh, Miss Piggy essentially, in the, the, the role of sort of the diva who is, you know, offended that uh, he's not getting all the attention, that, that he feels he's being outshined by, uh, by uh, uh, Dean Ambrose. Uh, so speaking of that, uh, we went from uh, that... You can't just bring that up and then drop it. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, isn't it? Isn't it kind of there, right? I mean, I don't know if you were a big fan of the Muppets as a oh, kid, yeah. but but I mean, Ms. Ms. Piggy. That's now how I'm thinking about his shtick. You know, it's very similar. So if the Ms. is Miss Piggy, I guess that would mean the chain is Kermit, Daniel Bryan is Scooter. Actually, I think Daniel Bryan is kind of Kermit-esque, right? He's more I mean, Kermit-esque, but in the hierarchy, he is Scooter. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I do got to say this. Uh, I, I, I think two authority figures in the same segment is overkill. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You just kind of had Daniel Bryan just kind of sitting there, um, you know, kind of watching Shane do his thing. And I feel like when, if you got two authority figures, one should be kind of left, you know, um, making more rare appearances, like have Shane appear maybe, and Stephanie uh, as well for that matter, just appear maybe every couple of weeks uh, when there's a, a big angle or a bigger angle. Uh, having them appearing at the same time, uh, you know, you know, in multiple segments, it just, it just kind of, uh, it's just overkill. Well, and it's, you know, what I talked about, uh, I think in my first appearance on this podcast, when we were speculating about who was going to be the GM of SmackDown, that was my concern, Raj, when you predicted Daniel Bryan, is that there's, they get along so well with Daniel and Shane that to have those two figures and no, no conflict, no clash. I mean, with Mick and Stephanie, I think they're going to build to that. It seems like they've already acknowledged some disagreements they have, but I feel like with Daniel and Shane, they both come across as incredibly likable, good guys. So it's a little tough to to really make it dynamic to have them both in the same segment, especially. Yeah, I I just think you should have keep Daniel on as you know more of a regular uh, TV performer, and Shane just uh, you know keeps his appearances a little more limited. Yeah. Well, also, part of, another reason you want to do that. Well, actually, I, in my head, I was about to say because Shane has clearly not been good with delivering promos live lately and remembering his lines, but then I thought of how Brian did last night, which, not just Apollo Creed, he also broke out a WWF. Yeah. He seemed a little, um, just scattered and flustered at times. Um, even into his appearance on Talking Smack after, he just seemed like he was trying to remember too much. You know? I, I was Go ahead. Uh, I thought his uh, appearance on Talking Smack was a lot better, though. I thought he, uh, just because you could tell he was more off the cuff, being able to speak freely as opposed to the scripted environment, um, you could almost tell when Brian ha you know, was saying something that's scripted. He, he just doesn't feel like, uh, you know, he's saying it, but he doesn't feel it all the time, whereas, you know, on Talking Smack, he, he, you know, he was, he was getting into it and, uh, you know, making a lot of good points. Yeah, no, and I thought Talking Spec was actually really, really well done. Um, I enjoyed that. We could talk about our thoughts later on the show about that. Um, so post-credits, we open to uh, Dolph Ziggler, Dean Ambrose segment. And, uh, I mean, what did you think about this angle? Uh, David, I'll go to you first. Uh, that we have Dean now as sort of the cocky champ. Dolph is intense. But it seemed towards the end we almost had, you know, the, the emergence of Mean Dean. And this idea that, uh, you know, he's got this edge now that, that he's champ and maybe it's going to his head a little bit. I mean, what do you think about that angle, David? I think it was a little too out of nowhere. Um, I don't think they really did anything to set that up. It's not in line with the character as he's been established the last few years. And I don't know if we should or shouldn't expect higher standards from WWE. But I think they needed to find a way to set that up and they didn't. Really, I mean, I'm trying to think exactly what they could have done, but I mean, it's wrestling. There are a zillion ways you could get you could get into it. Um, I think it's a little too out of nowhere, but I get why they did it. 
because otherwise I don't see him and Ziggler in a talking segment meshing very well. Yeah. I I actually really like this segment. Um, you know, again, my criticism with Ziggler being in this spot is I'd rather they build a contender before he becomes a contender and then build further as opposed to you throw him in the title match and then start building him. But I thought Ziggler did, you know, well. I thought Dean just seemed like a bigger star uh, next to Ziggler. And I felt like, you know, since since Ambrose won the title, he just hasn't felt like a, the top guy just because of how he'd been booked uh, before. And I felt like, you know, being put in with Seth Rollins and Roman, he just didn't seem at the main event level yet because he's been put in guys who've been booked better. And... uh here with Ziggler, he seemed more like a big star, and I think this might help Ambrose. You know, obviously it's going to help Ziggler some. But, you know, WWE's history with pushing Ziggler—they push him for a couple, you know, a month or so, and and then he's back down. But Ambrose definitely felt like he's—he uh, he felt like a bigger star coming out of this. Well, you know what was funny is, and again, I mean, not to keep referencing Talking Smack, but it, it speaks to what they did with that show—that they used it to further develop this storyline because I thought Dolph's interview on Talking Smack really built um, some great character motivation. He touched upon a lot of the stuff we discussed on last week's podcast about where he's at in his career. This is a chance for one big go to show that he can do it and really, you know, make something of his run here. Um, but yeah, I thought, uh, I agree with David that I just thought it was a little out of nowhere. That it's like Dean was this likable, unhinged, you know, guy that uh, just sort of flew by the seat of his pants and, you know, was having having fun with it, and I thought in going with Seth and um, and uh, Roman, they really had his character well, you know, as far as, like, any grudge that he had about the past, but yeah, it was just strange to see him sort of burying Dolph in that that opening segment that Dolph lacks all these qualities, although I really did enjoy uh, Dolph's Spirit Squad reference in terms of talking about who had it harder coming up and, uh, and having to uh, make their way in, in the WWE. So that segment, uh, after Dean left the ring, we had, you know, Lights Go Out, Bray mm -hmm. Wyatt shows up, what did you think about Bray cutting that promo uh, solo and just out there sort of unaccompanied, Rush? I liked it uh, because Bray, he's a guy you could easily see them putting him in the SummerSlam main event. And so the good thing I liked about what he said is that it, you could very well see them changing their mind on, on Ziggler and going with Wyatt. So it, it, I thought it created some suspense as opposed to it being an automatic given that Ziggler was winning tonight. Um, yeah, so I, th I thought it was a good way to build up the match tonight, and, and I think it probably left a lot of fans guessing. Yeah. No, I, you know, I really thought, up, in, up until, and we'll talk about this when they start the match, I really was like, oh, no. Based on the on the reaction, they're changing some things in creative for SummerSlam. They they might put Wyatt uh, into that role. Uh, it seemed believable. Uh, David, what do you think about about uh, how they're setting up Bray's solo run here? I don't know. I'm just I'm not a fan of his shtick. I feel like it just grew tired on me. Um, I'm trying to think exactly when. I mean, it's been a while. It's just. I don't think he's mixed things up enough. He really hasn't been that dynamic in the ring since early in his run. Um, it seems like they're trying to rebuild him a little, but then he lost kind of immediately after they tried to set him back up as a singles guy. But I did feel like that was a good way to build up Ziggler further. That It really felt like, oh, Ziggler's not really going to be at SummerSlam. This was all just kind of a diversion to set up Wyatt being in the match. But then they changed that around, and Ziggler won, and he got a nice win. I feel like a better win, and a win that establishes him a little better than last week. So, 
for Wyatt, I feel like it's all kind of a wash for me. But I, I feel like overall the whole thing was kind of a net positive. Yeah, de- I definitely did think like Wyatt was getting a, a, a new you know uh, head of steam uh, when they were starting to turn them babyface um, before he got injured. Um, so yeah, the, his act has gotten a little stale. Uh, he's trying to you know he's changed his look a little. He's trying to freshen up. Uh, I, but you know it's it's obvious that he's not completely out of uh, the Wyatt family right now because they had Eric Rowan come later. So yeah. Uh, he, yeah, but you know, I think he's he's probably the what the third biggest star, regular star that they have, fourth, uh, fourth at least. So uh, you got to protect them. Well, it's interesting. I think you know him as a solo wrestler, and I talked about last week. I really liked the new look that they you know had him, or the alternate look that they uh, had him with on the first SmackDown Live. But last night when he was out there doing that promo, it really came across to me that Bray Wyatt, without the Wyatt family, really lacks some of that charisma and authority because him having followers makes him seem more dangerous. Um, it's almost this idea that you know without the Wyatt family, he's just like uh, a chunky dude with a messiah complex, kind of like how Charles Manson without the Manson family. Just just a crazy dude who rambles a lot. It's the idea that they have followers that listen to that rambling that really gives it some, you know, uh, uh, a greater weight to it. Um, but, you know, I, I like, uh, I don't know, I, I would like to see them do something different with Bray, so I thought that was why it was a little interesting that it seemed like it was going a step backwards. Um, so we went from that to the first actual wrestling of the night, which was a triple threat match for the number one contender spot for the Intercontinental title to face The Miz at SummerSlam. Uh, We had Callisto, we had Baron Corbin and Apollo Crews uh, wrestling this match, of course, with The Miz uh, and Maurice on commentary. Uh, Raj, what did you think of the outcome of this with uh, Apollo Crews being set up as the number one contender? I think, you know, I think the the Intercontinental title doesn't mean much right now, so... uh, if the idea is to keep it on Miz, you know. I, th- I think it was the right the right call. Just Apollo Cruz, man, he, he needs to uh, he, he needs to change his his gimmick a little. Um, you know, the the SmackDown Fallout promo of him after winning the match, he just sounds like a you know a high school kid that did well on his SATs as opposed to you know a dangerous threat going after a title. So. You know, it is what it is. I think I think it was it was fine. This is you know this is this match is filler for the pay per view, so it, it it didn't bother me. Yeah, David. I mean, I think he's the best option of the three guys who were in the match as far as <laughs> yeah, the absolutely for Miz at SummerSlam. But Raj is right as far as a personality. There's really no there there. Yeah, for Cruz right now. Uh, I'm curious how the match will go. I think. Maybe they'll even go with him as a champion and kind of do something from there. But as it is right now, they haven't really given anyone a reason to be invested in him. I mean, at least in NXT, they kind of, as they have with a lot of people, kind of figured out to do sit-down interviews and stuff with him that fit him and kind of let him establish himself. And on the main roster, he's just he hasn't had anything like that. And I mean, I remember it even makes me think about how on Monday. Just kind of the Twitter reaction. I saw some people saying the way they were promoting the Balor interview seemed like they were promoting it as a sit-down. I remember I retweeted a friend of mine who was like, oh, good, they're giving a Balor a sit-down interview. That should be better. You know, it should hide its deficiencies as far as a talker. They did end up trying to camouflage that, but doing a live in-ring. I think they need to be a little more flexible with something like that. Cruz is a great example that even if it is scripted, 
I think it's easier for the wrestlers to deliver scripted lines in that environment than they than it is for them to deliver scripted lines in ring doing that type of promo. And it seems like they need more options to be able to flesh out these guys, guys like Apollo Crews. Well, it's weird. I mean, it seems, you know, since he debuted at TakeOver last year uh, on NXT, everyone likes Apollo Crews. Everyone agrees he's an amazing performer and an amazing athlete. They just, you know, it's, I feel like we've never gotten that other side. They've never taken it from there and developed it and made him a fully fleshed out character. You know, he's still, in my mind, just a more polished version of, of what we saw at TakeOver last year. Yeah, he seems like someone to me that I would probably put in a tag team or something for now, even if it's a, with someone random, just to kind of establish him and and let him find his character a little bit before having him be a singles. But, you know, uh, he, he's great in the ring. I think yeah. the match will be good, uh, but he, he really needs to work on his character. One, it's interesting. I mean, do you guys feel like this is sort of uh, now taking us, you know, with The Miz having, you know, over a 100-day-plus title reign as the IC championship, that this is no longer becoming sort of the smart internet fan belt, that the IC championship is now something different than maybe what it was for, uh, for you know, some time preceding? Yeah, I, you know, the problem with when you have it on The Miz, I think The Miz is very entertaining. I don't oh, get yeah. bored when he's out there. But he's not a main event guy, and even when he was a main event guy, he wasn't really a main event guy. You know, he was the foil to the main event guy. Um, so, you know, as long as he's champ, it's still going to be a secondary belt. Um, yeah. You know, again, it's it's uh, Rusev. You know, with the U.S. title, he he's been defending it against Zack Ryder and Titus O'Neil, uh, and now that Roman's in the picture, it's going to seem like a much bigger deal. You know, it all depends on now. It's it's the guys that make the belt as opposed to the other way around. Yeah. But it's you it's okay to have a secondary belt. I mean, sure. especially right now SmackDown has a main title. It's okay to have a secondary belt. Absolutely, but in the past the secondary belt was usually used to build a guy to get to that Sure, next sure. Level, no, as absolutely. Opposed to just kind of staying at that secondary realm. Right. I mean, at least they've gotten past the point where if you got one of the secondary titles, you were just losing all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, uh, so uh, so they followed this up with uh, what was perhaps the most controversial match of the night. We uh, then went to Becky Lynch versus Eva Marie, where, uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys were paying attention uh, after that match was announced in the lead-up to it starting, but on Reddit, uh, you know, on comments I was seeing, everyone was like, oh, no, oh, my God, they're going to make Becky job to Eva. Like, I mean, a lot of fear. And then they did, uh, you know, a very elaborate, uh, set piece, uh, the, I guess it was a comedy piece, David, I know you mentioned earlier that you really liked it, but this idea that Becky makes her entrance, Eva makes her new, very long entrance, then gets into the ring and she pulled something, she can't wrestle, the, the match ends. That I mean, it was, in my mind, it was uh, a big setup without a really effective punchline, but uh, David, since, since you really enjoyed that, I mean, what walk me through sort of like why you thought that was such an effective segment. The fan base, generally speaking, I mean, maybe, you know, I'm sure there are some people who know her from Total Divas and are not, you know, work rate geeks or whatever who like her as a personality or whatever. But generally, it seems like the fan base, especially people who watch NXT, but also a lot of who just follow the main roster, think of her as this just untalented person who didn't earn anything. And they're running with that more on the main roster, too. Kind of going with what they did on NXT, but taking it even further... 
and they're just kind of making her a heel. And I love that they're just building it up with this whole thing where I'm sure what happened last night is going to happen over and over in some form for the next several weeks to the point where you're going to want to see someone beat her up without her even working a match. And I mean, she's just a real heel. And I really like that, that she's just this, you know, uh, I guess I'll use the word chicken crap since I don't remember what our standards for swearing on this <laughs> show are. Uh, heel, and I loved, like, just, it, it fits her. And it's, like, even, like, just her whole, the whole thing right now, the overwrought entrance, it's, just, it's perfect for her. And they're doing a great job working around the fact that they want to make her a star, but they're very aware that she has some severe limitations. And I really like this, and I feel like she's, as a personality, she's kind of, this is what she's able to be good at, at, at kind of being this fake person. I mean, it seems like in real life she's not like that, but it's the way people perceive her because of her getting this spot without being really being able to wrestle well or anything like that and being, you know, the one of the, you know, model recruits and that whole thing. So I think this is, if you're going to have her on the roster, main roster, I think this is the best use you can have for her, at least for now. And then, you know, maybe, you know, I think SummerSlam would be too soon, but maybe, uh, which is the September SmackDown pay-per-view? Backlash. Back, at ba- you know, by backlash, you know, you have, you have Becky beat her up or, or have, or have, even you have Becky slip on a banana peel somehow or to, for Eva to get the win and you get even more heat on her. You have a heel with actual heat. Amazing. 20, in 2016. Yeah, I, I loved it too. I thought it was great. You know, it it plays off the fan. You know, we were talking about this on Monday. I hate when you start a feud with the match, and then it, you have a clean finish, and that's your feud. You know, the match is, should be where you get to, not necessarily where you finish. You know, it could be a middle point of the feud or whatever. But to start it with a match and then have someone go over clean, and then that's how you started a feud. I hate that. And this way, you establish. Eva Marie as a heel, you know, Eva has got that fan backlash that Roman has, except Roman can actually go in the ring. Um, but Eva, you know, she can be a great heel. Build that up so finally when she does have to wrestle and, you know, you have Daniel Bryan finally, like, like David was saying, a backlash thing, like, you know, if you, if you don't wrestle, you'll be suspended. And so finally when that match comes, you know, you, get, you, you have all that heel heat on her. So I thought this was great. And uh, it, it, like like David said, I thought it established her character. See, I think if they just would have made the crux of the bit a little more apparent rather than – I mean, there was nothing that looked uh, iffy about her entrance into the ring. Just to have her pull like the, the – oh, I you know pulled something. That to me was the thing is it just seemed like was there something I missed? Did I not catch something? I felt like there should have been something as a payoff. But I think that was good. You start off subtle, yeah. and then week after week, you get more and more, like, so you have fans wondering, is this, you know, is because you don't need to make it so over the top right at the start. If you yeah. if this is something you're going to be doing over several weeks or, you know, even who knows how long, uh, you know, you start off subtle, and then you make it more and more apparent. Yeah, I just think as opposed to the bra, see, I think the brawn bit is getting a lot more polished uh, and better now. We, I think this week's was better than last week's. I like how they're developing that. You know, again, same punchline, but it's a good punchline. I just felt with this that it was like, I don't know, just a little confusing. Um, but if this is going to be your new gimmick, I just want to ask that it's shorter next week because it was. It seemed like a very long segment for kind of like a minimal joke. 
it was long, but I never got bored. You know, really? yeah. I, I, I like her new entrance. I like Eva's new entrance. I gotta say, I love that voiceover. I love yeah, the way it's that hilarious. They yeah. With the uh, fake Gary Owens or whoever that is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Okay, so controversial, controversial angle with Eva Marie. Who would have thought? Controversial um, to you, not to us. I think other people on the internet. <laughs> yeah, you know, there was. Uh, yeah, but look, she's gonna be more hated. You know, because so many people hate her from NXT, right? Not necessarily the casuals don't know her that well, so. This yeah. is the way to get it. Everyone on the same page. Well, yeah. you know, I'll ask you guys this because if someone knows her from Total Divas, over the course of the show, not at first, but over the course of the show, she has become a fairly sympathetic, likable part of the cast. I mean, I think you could even make an argument that they fleshed her out better than some of the other people on Total Divas. I mean, do you think to that audience, like if they played up her backstory and overcoming addiction and all that type of things? Do you think if they actually tried to present the real person that they could actually make her as a babyface if they kind of really ran with her real backstory or not really because she's still so... I wouldn't say she's inept in the ring. She's just not good yet. I think you could do that for a lot of people. I think they not should her. do that for but not, I wouldn't do that for her. She's going to get that heel heat anyway, so just just go with it. You know, something like what you said... I thought a great idea for SummerSlam in building the Sasha Banks-Charlotte match before they did the title change would be to to really showcase how big a fan Sasha Banks was growing up and just makes it makes her even more relatable to the you know the people that don't know that. Like they'll mention on commentary that she loved Eddie Guerrero but I don't think it really comes you know comes true like how big a fan she was. And putting that over and then you put over you know Charlotte being you know given everything, and I'm I'm not saying that she was and that she didn't work hard. I'm just saying this is the story you could have built, and then Sasha, you know, be, being Flair's daughter and growing up rich and and being you know being able to get into wrestling whenever she wanted, and you had those parallels. I think having more of that real life stuff, and same with Apollo Cruz, if they went more into his backstory, I think it would help these these guys out tremendously. They but the difference is, oh, I'm sorry, David. Uh, uh, so, what were you gonna say? They need to realize. They need to utilize their whole production to do. Th I mean, you're right because it's much more. Uh, it sticks with you much more if you see. I mean, I'm gonna throw out a, an example of something we've already seen, like the, you know, the AJ Lee lead a video, just to yeah. give an example from the past, which I don't think they ever aired on TV. But still, anything like that, or childhood photos of, you know, dressing like a wrestler, whatever, it's something like that sticks with you more than just saying over and over, oh, she's a big fan of Eddie Guerrero, tribute to Eddie Guerrero, blah, 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 blah. If you've got to utilize stuff like that if you're trying to get something like that across, it works much better to actually see it than just hear it over and over and over, especially since we generally haven't been given a reason to trust most of the current announcers. They have They don't really have any trust with the audience. I guess Moro to a point because he's seen as not necessarily seen as like a WWE mouthpiece. But otherwise, I mean, they just don't. It's not like the past where the wrestling announcer was this person that you had to have this trust in because he was the main salesman. They haven't done a good job with that with the with the modern crew. 
but the difference with this angle you guys are talking about in terms of fleshing out the character and making them, you know, sympathetic, giving um, giving almost uh, them, you know, making them in, in this vehicle for audience sort of wish fulfillment and this idea that it's them accomplishing their dreams, is that in the case of, you know, Bailey, of Sasha, of even Apollo, once they get in the ring, they can really deliver. And I think with Eva Marie, you could tell me she overcame all the adversity in the world, but if she oh, can't sure, sure. put on an amazing match, there's nothing there. You know, it's like I there's think, no payoff. Yeah, I think Raj was just saying in a more general sense that he, yeah. they need yeah. to do it more. Yeah, yeah, but I, see, I, th- I, I think it would actually backfire with even Marie if they right. tried that angle and then had it be her. Um, like I said, yeah, I wouldn't do it with Eva, but I think there's a lot of people that help. Like you know, like what David was saying, and and I'll do I'll do it quickly because I know we're we're getting stuck yeah. on the beginning of the show. But uh, you know, I think so many people out there believe that everything they see on wrestling, the people that don't follow it on the internet, that everything is fake. So when they hear, uh, you know, the announcers talking about her being an Eddie Guerrero fan, they probably just assume that he he's just BSing. <laughs> But if you if you if you have her talking about being this fan and showing pictures from her childhood and yeah. you know that she went to that Eddie Guerrero tribute show not knowing that he had passed away and and those stories really would connect and I, and I wish you know it's so easy to tell cuz it's true but they they feel like they have to be over creative I guess yeah, I don't think anyone over the age of maybe 10 uh, marks out for what the announcers say, you know, with uh, Corey Graves, like, you know, I spoke to so-and-so earlier today, and they were amped up about, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, okay, you know, it's like just so sort of generic platitudes, uh, the trust there. So uh, they went from there to a backstage segment. We saw the debut of the Talking Smack set, um, Carmella being interviewed by uh, by Renee, uh, Natalia interrupted the promo. Uh, my one quick note on that is I thought Carmella, we really saw a real character moment and you know I, I, I thought she did very well I thought she made Natalia look very wooden um, that led up to, to their match being announced later in the night uh, then we uh, had the announcement that uh, American Alpha's debut was going to be coming up next I mean so what did you think of that uh, debut they did Raj against the Villains? I thought they looked great uh, you know I, again I th- I think they over rely on their people's popularity in NXT uh, carrying over to the main audience, you know, especially in certain markets. But I thought American Alpha looked looked awesome. And, uh, you know, they keep doing that, and, and they'll win, you know, they'll win over the fans that don't know who they are. But, uh, you know, the, they uh, they should be the first SmackDown Tag Team Champions, I think, you know, if you really want to get the, the titles over. Yeah. Uh, David, what would you think? I mean, yeah, basically the same thing. I mean, you know, Vaudevillains were the right guys to put them with to kind of run through. And, you know, they, like I said, they are, I think, putting a little too much trust in the idea that all of the audience is familiar with NXT. Um, I wonder if that's almost a thing where they feel like they shouldn't act like it because then it's somehow saying that NXT is not a success. But anyway, as far as American Alpha, I mean, I, I think they're going to do really well on the main roster. I mean, it seems like the crowd liked them as the match went on. They have a crowd-pleasing style. They're both very charismatic as babyfaces, especially Gable. Um, I don't see any way where they're not a successful actor on the main roster, you know, unless they just totally got torpedoed by booking. But even then, the way that Gable is such a charismatic, you know, un- I was going to say underdog, but, you know, in his selling and everything and, and, and Jordan's comebacks and hot tags and all that, I, I don't see any way that really that they should have any kind of problems on the main roster. I mean, almost, they're not like a tailor-made for the main roster the way that Enzo and Cass were. 
You know what I mean? That it was always like, oh, this act is going to be perfect for the main roster, but they're going to do very well, I think. Yeah, no, you know, I thought it was a good match. It, you know, barely scratched the surface of all that they're capable of. Um, I think they're amazing of putting on, you know, they're, they're amazing at putting on these great technical matches. Um, but I think that to give the audience a taste, this was very good. And, uh, you know, my main note is just that they've got to start selling those gable towels. I mean, WWE Shop has a hookup for towels. They sell towels, but that Gable one, uh, you know, I feel like uh, if they're if they're running with that and going with that, uh, you know, I, I feel like that that's going to become a big piece piece of merch for them going forward. You know, as they get more and more over with this crowd. Um, so in a second, we're going to talk about uh, what happened next on SmackDown Live, which was uh, AJ uh, and John Cena facing off in the ring. But just quickly, want to take a minute to thank the sponsor of this episode, Host Papa. You know, you've heard us talk about hosting a website, all the challenges you face, whether it's a fan site, your business, whether you uh, just want your own online presence on the web. And the most important thing isn't about who's going to provide stuff for you when things go right. It's about who's going to be there when things go wrong. If your site goes down, if it gets hacked, if there you know, you screw something up and putting your site together. Host Papa has complete turnkey solutions that make it easy and greatly reduce the probability of something going wrong. And if you need help, if you get stuck, they're going to be there for you with 24 hour a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, full on support in four different languages. And if you need extra help, they'll even give you a free dedicated 30 minute one-on-one training session with one of their experts. No other web host does that. Host Papa has got your back. Shared hosting accounts start as low as $3.95 per month, and they'll even throw in a domain name for free. And you've got no risk because Host Papa offers an unconditional 30-day money-back guarantee. Even if you have a site hosted elsewhere, they'll help you migrate it over for free. Visit hostpapa.com slash wrestling to check out what our friends at Host Papa have to offer. And because they're fans of this podcast, they're offering our listeners an exclusive 15% off new shared hosting accounts. Just enter our code wrestling at checkout for a 15% discount. That's hostpapa.com slash wrestling. Use the code wrestling to save 15% off powerful, reliable, and secure web hosting for small business owners. Thanks to Host Papa for sponsoring this show. So, after Alpha's debut, we uh, came to AJ's, uh, AJ Styles, had a message for John Cena. Um, I saw a lot of you know uh, people I know that follow wrestling talking about this segment on Facebook. What did you think, Raj, uh, to you first about, you know, with AJ, them going this heel angle and the way Cena came across in this promo. I, I, had, I had mixed feelings on it. I thought AJ... I think AJ's gotten so much better on his promos. Like, he can deliver a main event promo, I think. Uh, but he just seemed a little too over the top. Like, he was trying too hard. And, um, you know, I, I thought John Cena just kind of just steamrolled him, but more based on, you know, his delivery than than the context. I mean, I really... at, at at some point, you don't really know what they're arguing about. It's like, what you guys are talking about, is that a really a reason for you guys to hate each other? You know, like, wh- what's, the, uh, what's the point of, you know, which, what's, at the, you know what's, the, what's the main issue? It's just like, well, you, you're still here. Uh, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like uh, a reason to be that upset. But, uh, you know, I thought AJ's, uh, AJ's uh, shot at Dixie was kind of funny, or at TNA. Um, I've liked their promos in the past. I thought this was kind of corny, but, uh, you know, again, this was something I didn't think was bad. Uh, I wasn't bored. I, I was entertained. And um, it still it, it still felt like it was setting up a big match. So, yeah, overall, no. I, th- I, was, I thought it was pretty – I thought it was fine. 
No, and you're right, Raj. I mean, as far as reasons to start a feud, I mean, this is not like one costs the other one an audition at an overseas shampoo commercial or anything. I mean, you know, <laughs> this, I mean, this is frivolous by comparison. Uh, so, David, uh, what did you think about AJ just going, you know, full heel and digging in with this? I I thought he did fine. Um, I feel like almost the whole Daniel Bryan reaction to the promo is probably the biggest bigger story than the promo itself. Now, I did not see Talking Smack. I only read about the comments. So, I mean, does it read as, like, genuinely offended? I mean, it reads as like he was genuinely offended. I mean, watching it, did it come off like he was actually upset with Cena or like he was working a little bit? Well, I think it was both. I think, you know, John Cena is practically his brother-in-law, so I know he he knows what's, what Cena means, and he knows these, you know, promos are scripted, so... But I could see, you know, obviously, I mean, that came to mind when when he was doing that promo to me was that, well, yeah, you you don't you're not going to work anywhere else, but someone else has to. They got to support their family. Uh, so you know, that seemed very, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, it's a weird line for a babyface, regardless. Yeah, just just uh, you know, higher, holier than thou, you know, higher. But you know, you've got all this wealth and and fame, and and AJ doesn't. You know, those lines almost made AJ the babyface, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, so I thought Daniel Bryan was you know speaking tr- truly on on the lines, but I know he was working you know as far as it being directed to Cena. Um, I, you know, I thought with AJ going heel the way he did, talking about how stupid, you know, uh, Nashville was, talking about the kids, that's where it got a little awkward for me. It reminded me of uh, the Bret Hart hates America angle, where it just seemed like kind of like almost forced, you know, in trying to get some of that heat and going as extreme as he did with it. And I don't think that suits AJ. I think uh, the way AJ was before, sort of talking about his resentment of Cena, now he sees him. To me, that just seemed like a bit of an over-the-top moment. But I have to say what stood out for me, I mean, Cena, now his promo took a while to get there, but once it did, I mean, I had a mark-out moment uh, during that where I was like, this guy should just... This guy should be the permanent champion. Let's make up a belt that he always has. Uh, because he was just came across as a great standard bearer uh, for the company. You know, when Cena was talking about why he doesn't, why he's going to stay. I thought that was compelling. You know, and for me, that's part of why, you know, as I've said before, I unironically love John Cena when he does stuff like that. Yeah, he's going to be, you know... Eating, you know, what, what's that saying? He's gonna be wiping a lot of egg off his face if he's if he is gonna eventually leave the company soon. With how busy his schedule is getting, you know, with these yeah. years and years of talking about how he'll never leave. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think I just think Styles wanted to say that, you know, if he if he was simply said Cena's holding up the top spot and it, and he's got one foot out the door and I'm gonna shove you out. You know, just something like that. I think yeah. would just just yeah. simplified it and made it a lot more, uh, a, a lot more believable. Yeah, as opposed to I hate the fact that kids like you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that was kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, so we went from that to okay. So I have to say, I mean, this isn't just me sort of trolling and or making snarky comments, but we went to what my favorite segment of the night was, which was uh, that you know picking up on a one-off joke. Almost uh, from uh, from uh, Battleground, we had Fandango versus Randy Orton there to uh, to avenge his honor uh, after Randy uh, was trying to you know uh, dig at Jericho for wrestling Fandango. What was that back at WrestleMania 31 uh, when Jericho came back? And uh, I mean, I just I love that they actually went through and did this, and I love that they let the match happen. So so spoiler, 
Brock did show up. Obviously, I was wrong. They did put him in the new era of SmackDown Live. But uh, I love that they let that match go on with Tyler Breeze involved in everything. I mean, do you feel like, uh, Raj, that that elevates uh, Brazongo or that was bringing down Orton or this was just sort of like a gimmick aside? Yeah, I mean, it was just a, you know, it's just kind of a squash match. But, you know, there is a little bit of a story there, so I wish they would have basically, you know, basically instead of just mentioning it on commentary, actually done a, a little angle or like an interview with Fandango challenging Randy Orton for what Orton said about him and then Orton accepting, you know, some, just something to just throw a little bit of something on a match that, you know, has a little bit of a backstory. But that being said, you know, it was really all a setup for Lesnar to come in and, um, you know, it, it just, I think to fans, knowing how rare Lesnar appearances are, it just made, you know, SmackDown seem like, you know, more of an even playing show. Uh, so I thought, I thought that was good because, you know, Lesnar appearances aren't cheap. And so, uh, you know, they're, they're using one for an unannounced, you know, attack. So I thought, I thought that was cool. David? Pretty much the same thing. I mean, as far as that they could have set it up a little bit more as opposed to just bringing it up on commentary, I mean, the thing with that also is that, Fandango is kind of the right type of character to do a promo about how offended he was that Orton made that joke. You know what I mean? It's like, that's perfect for him. So they really missed an opportunity to do, like, an inset, which they've been doing a lot more of those inset promos lately. It didn't, you know, I mean, they didn't even have to take out any extra time in the show to do yeah, that. Yeah, just a backstage promo earlier in the show where Fandango goes up to Daniel Bryan saying how offended he was by Orton and, and he wants to show him up, you know, and then you announce the match. Uh, you know, it, it's nothing overdone because you don't need to overdo a, a Fandango, you know, match, but, um, you know, at least it gives it a little bit more of a, a story since there's one there anyway. Yeah. And otherwise, I mean, I don't know if you guys talked about this on Monday, but... Lesnar sure has gotten smaller in the last few weeks. <laughs> well, no, no, I didn't. I didn't notice, David. Yeah, well, didn't, but didn't he look smaller at UFC 200 as well? As he far looked as just, smaller than that. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's been some controversy. He's not, he's not retired <laughs> from UFC yet, so until he is, he's uh, he's still subject to that policy. Yeah, you got to wonder if he even wants to deal with it now, uh, because. Chances are he's going to get a suspension of some kind, and uh, unless he can really explain that, uh, it could be two years. And to be, you know, uh, subject to random drug testing over that two years, it's, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, he could even be subject to more than two, actually, two years because of the mitigating circumstances of failing more than once, too. Because I believe the way USADA's policy with the UFC is, is that under certain circumstances, and I think this could be one of them. It could be as long as four years. No, I think I think they said that this would count as one infraction. Oh, because it was the same substance. Yeah, and it was during the, I guess, the same testing, you know, period, or it was for the same fight. Well, one, it was for the same fight, but I mean, it would always be for the same fight if it was a single violation. No, but they, I mean, there is, you know, precedent. Like Anderson I mean, Silva, was, his was for, you know, But that different... wasn't USADA, though. Right, but uh, with this, you know, they've they've said that this count this would count as his first. It wouldn't count yeah, as would two you, separate. Well, no, 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 I'm not saying it would count as two separate violations. I'm saying that they've said that single violations with extenuating circumstances could be four years. Yeah, we'll have to. I doubt they would just because it is the same substance. No, my gut is that they won't, but they theoretically could. Yeah, but 
They won't. <laughs> but does, I mean, isn't Brock's attitude, though, that he has enough money at this point? I mean, wouldn't he be content just to go hang out on his farm and, you know, not have to deal uh, with all this? Well, six million for one night's work, though, you know, six to eight million or whatever true. he made. That's But you can always use he, a little more. Exactly. He could use a new tractor. You know, especially coming off of, you know, obviously it's not going to be a win anymore. It's probably going to be overturned to a, a, you know, no contest. Um but still, the, the the visual that most people saw was Brock Lesnar being dominant. And so yeah. if if he can somehow get away from this with a six-month suspension or something like that, there would there would still be a ton of interest to see him fight, you know, a bigger, you know, uh, an upper upper guy or even, you know, theoretically could, I don't, well, I don't, I don't think he could throw him against a champion after what's happened. But uh, before, the, uh, before the USADA violations, you could have. Well, you know, maybe by the by that point, if he has a suspension, I mean, CM Punk will be so established as the dominant force in UFC that, uh, I mean, the, come on, guys, the match makes itself. You it's, know? Com- it's coming up one month. No, I, I'm really curious. I mean, I love CM Punk, but I'm really, like, kind of nervous for how that's going to go. <laughs> yeah. There's been a lot of... Bill- I mean, similar, it's actually, in my mind, you know, that's what I was thinking of... Um, uh, David, reading your story about uh, Big Show's boxing career, was it that it could be another situation? Like we could have all these years, uh, then for you know some well, if it if it happens, but it could still be a lackluster uh, result, you know. Well, Big Show never even had a fight booked. I mean, yeah, I know, I know. Punk's been doing this now for I think he started training a few months after the announcement, so I mean it's closing in on eighteen months. Yeah, so we'll so, see. I mean, I yeah, I am scared though for him. No, I, I, but he's you know CM, CM Punk's been putting in uh, the time, getting in shape, and speaking of getting in shape, we want to remind everyone to don't forget to try out DDP Yoga, specifically their awesome Max Pack. It's used by the likes of Chris Jericho, AJ Styles, John Cena, Goldust, and tons of other WWE stars who love using DDP Yoga. And hey, you can get a special offer with three months of the app for free at ddpyoga.com/wrestlinginc. Also, The Resurrection of Jake the Snake, now available on iTunes, Google Play, PlayStation, Amazon, and Vudu. Make sure to check that out and tweet at DDP Yoga. Let them know that we sent you. You can also see the film on DVD, Blu-ray, and Netflix. If you haven't watched it yet, you need to see this. It's as good as you've heard. We want to thank DDP Yoga for sponsoring the show. Also, be sure to check out Trendy Butler, a fantastic clothing service that does all the work for you. I've tried it out. Um, the shorts I'm wearing right now are from Trendy Butler, and they are my favorite pair of shorts. I, you know, I, I wear them all the time. I, I mean, it'd be kind of weird if I get up and I guess I'm showing you my shorts. Um, but my my style is t-shirt and, and shorts in the summer. And what they do is they take your style profile, and then they have a stylist handpick clothes that cater to you. So they took my style and you know sent stuff that I would wear, but it's an upgrade and. Uh, and and for only $65 you get over $150 in designer clothes. So make sure you use the code wrestling10 when you sign up and you get an additional $10 off. So you can find out more at trendybutler.com or on Twitter at twitter.com/trendybutler. Awesome man. So we went to after that the uh, main event of the night. Well, actually, uh, before that, we had a, a quick uh, no match that happened of Natalia versus Carmella. It seems like they're setting up this angle. Carmella came out, did a new entrance, uh, a little new spiel at the beginning. That I, I don't know about you guys. I thought that's the only thing she stumbled a little bit on for the night was that that was uh, maybe not as smooth as her previous one. But what do you think about that as the angle going forward of uh, of uh, Natalia being used as this feud to build Carmella, Raj? 
Uh, again, this is something I like. I like that they establish a feud before getting to the match. Uh, the only thing I didn't like is that they did this t- for both women's matches on the same show. <laughs> yep. You know, I would have rather they have Natalia beat someone this week, or uh, you know, and then destroy Carmella or something like that. I- I'm I'm glad that they didn't do the match right off the bat, but just at least throw one women's match, whether it's a squash or whatever, just to, you know, just so you're not doing kind of the same thing twice. David. Uh. I mean, I like I I like that these two were working together, and honestly, if Eva Marie and Becky Lynch have matches for the same reason, because those two are fairly green. Becky and Natalia are the you know the polished veterans of the women's roster, so it's good that they're working together. But yeah, this was a little repetitive to do the two non-matches in this shallow SmackDown women's division on the same show. Uh, other thing I noticed during the uh, Carmella talking segment uh, earlier in the show. Her extensions are really bad. Like they do not look remotely like they're growing out of her head, and it just made me think about it. I, mean, I get I get why they kind of like the extensions and that it makes it, things look more dramatic with the hair flying back and all that. But they need to kind of tone down how samey it is with all the women having the same hair and all that. It's a little too uniform. Yeah, that's interesting. Does any uh, women's wrestler in the WWE have short hair or, or shorter hair? Or even not have extensions? Yeah, I mean, it, it's look, it's not as bad as it was during the Divas era. I mean, you know, it's not yeah. as cookie cutter like, let's just, you know, send them to the same stylist and give them the same look. I mean, I like the diversity of looks, but you are right that long hair is is consistent. And she looked like she was wearing, she literally looked like she was wearing a wig. I mean, hers was especially, this was like 1999 Sable. You know what I mean? She didn't look like it was her hair, but it just, it's, it's, I also feel like if they're doing something like that, it's like, they're still, it gives off, if it's that obvious, it gives off the message that they're still being more image conscious than I think they'd like to come off. You know what I mean? Obviously, they're going to put, obviously, they're going to put, obviously, still, they want the women and the men to look a certain way, but I think if you have something like that with the obvious extensions and all that, think it makes w you get what i'm saying like that it makes well, it, it makes them seem more preoccupied if everyone on the roster has something like that i mean i think in general to me it's not a male or woman thing i think in general that they should try and put whatever they do it should just be of high quality that it doesn't distract you um and i'll say this that it looked yeah. like aj styles was wearing um a lot more foundation or maybe like said some sort of spray tan last night i mean and this isn't a critique of appearance because i mean i'm certainly not one to critique anyone's appearance no. or style but i just think if you're going to present something on tv present it well. You know, you spend a lot of money on this show. Make sure you can't see the seams. You know, do the best job possible. But that's interesting. I, I didn't notice that about Carmela's hair. I thought her character, though, I like that she's evolving away from just being, you know, sort of this uh, the sidekick to Enzo and Cass. Um, and I'm curious yes. to see where the feud goes from there. And Although, she's, got a, she's got a different, unique personality, which which I think yeah. will really help her out. Although, so, I get what, I get they're trying to establish her, but they need to pretty quickly get her, pretty quickly get her past the point where she's saying... Well, I'm from New York in every single promo. Hey, that, that's a gimmick, man. Like, what's their character? Well, she's from New York. I mean, we talked about this uh, Monday with Nia Jax. Her promos are her literally just quoting the lyrics to her theme song um, as, you know, as, as far as the depth of character. Um, so, hey, being from New York, 
That's one. She's from New York, and she's fabulous. We have two points right there that establish who Carmela is. Um, but no, I really like her, and I dig the moonwalking thing. I'm glad that they're going all in on that. Uh, so after that, we had uh, the main event of the night. We had Dean putting, uh, or pardon me, Dolph putting his number one contendership on the line in the match against Bray Wyatt. Um, my my note with this, and I saw other people commenting online about this as well, is I felt like they really telegraphed the ending by announcing at the start of the match that Dolph was going to be on Sports Center the next night. Um, because it said to me kind of like, well, they're not going to have the guy lose if he's booked on SportsCenter the following evening. I mean, if I were them, I almost would have put that into the angle and said, like, the winner of this match is going to be on SportsCenter. Yeah. They've done that before, like with when Roman won the title. They, before he won the title, uh, you know, on Raw against Sheamus, they, they did the same thing. We're like, oh, by the way, and Roman's going to be on ESPN tomorrow. I, was like, ah, well. I don't get why they can't. Right. I don't get why they can't just say the winner. Yeah. When's the when's the last time someone went on the Today Show or ESPN to talk about their loss from the night before? When's that <laughs> When's that ever happened? You know, yeah. Um, yeah so it, it was an interesting match. I actually thought that Dolphin Bray put on a pretty good match. We saw the removing of the the padding on the turnbuckle uh, for the first time in a while, uh, which I thought was uh, interesting. And uh, the, but the one thing that really stuck out to me was that Dean was on commentary for this match, and I thought that contrasted with the opening segment where Dean was burying Dolph and talking about all these things he lacked that Dean did a complete 180 and was putting Dolph over so hard on commentary talking about his heart, his unpredictability you know, and that he can reach down deep. I mean, to me that was it was almost distracting to the match to see that, that Dean just did a complete character switch between uh, the start and the end of the show. Well, I think there's a pretty simple explanation for that. I mean, I'm just guessing, but I would think that the opening promo was scripted. The commentary was him going off the cuff, and he's just not immersed in this sudden character change. Yeah. Raj, what'd you think of that? Well, overall, you know, I thought the match was, I thought the match itself was good. Uh, you know, like I said, there was always that suspense that they could have Wyatt beating him. Uh, it wasn't out of the realm of possibility. Um, I just thought Bray kind of went down a little too easy for being a top guy on SmackDown. You know, just a, a bump into the corner and a super kick. Uh, but, you know, Eric Rowan coming out at the end, I guess that's good for Rowan. I don't know if that's necessarily good for Bray. Yeah, it's it's a, he can't have one follower. You know, I mean, this idea. <laughs> like, uh, although, they, didn't they, uh, did they draft uh, another one as well? No, they didn't draft Luke Harper, so yeah, he could come hard. back and yeah. he could come back and join them, and then you have Braun Strowman just doing his own thing on Raw. Yeah, it would be kind of weird just to have Bray Wyatt and his monkey boy Eric Rowan. Uh, although I probably should never call someone that big a monkey boy. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that uh, that that was an interesting turn. So Dolph wins the match. Eric Rowan comes out and ambushes Dolph after. And uh, but you're right, there was I mean. Before the Sports Center announcement, and even after that, there was so little suspense to me where I thought they made it really believable that Bray could win this, you know, and go to SummerSlam. And then part of me was even thinking they could do this in the weeks leading up to where it's like it's just, it's going to keep changing, you know, maybe that was the angle they're going. But you know, if Dolph's going to get into it with Bray now, I kind of like this idea that maybe we have this, you know, this side feud. Um, I'll, I'll be really curious if at SummerSlam they have Bray costing Dolph the championship. I think that would be an interesting angle to go. Yeah, or they just have Bray attack, you know, Ambrose afterwards just to set that up. I think I'm I'm guessing that Ziggler is a one-off. That is not meant to be a, a you know a ongoing feud. But you know they need more top guys on SmackDown, so maybe maybe it's just the beginning. Who knows? 
Yeah. I mean, I think they're, you, especially with what Dean was saying, I think they're doing a credible job of reminding people what Dolph Ziggler has to offer. But yeah, I mean, I know we debated this last week uh, going forward, but I think regardless of how you feel about Dolph, I think everyone can agree that to what Raj just said, SmackDown needs more uh, big names and incredible uh, people that they're going to tune in for. So all in all, uh, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I felt like the, the, this episode of SmackDown Live started off a little slow with the opening segment, um, the triple threat, and the match between Becky and Eva. But I really liked the second half of the show, and I felt overall more satisfied than I did after last night's Week 2 Monday Night Raw. Raj, what's your uh, final verdict on the episode? I agree. I thought it, it, it never really dragged to me, and I thought uh, it was easily watchable. I, I thought it was I thought it was much better raw. I thought the the advantages of being two hours and and uh, you know really really showed here. Uh, I'm not digging David Otunga on commentary, but uh, you know Morrow by himself, you know, can, can do a great job. Yeah, uh, uh, David, what did you think of the the episode? Your final verdict. I mean, I enjoyed it. I, as opposed to Raj, I actually thought that Otunga made a surprisingly decent showing. I don't think he's where it needs to be yet, but I think he did okay. Um, the problem is just that more. It just doesn't seem like Moro really has any chemistry with uh, JBL or Otunga yet. Um, to, whereas it, he did kind of right away with Lawler, like. Whatever it was, Lawler just seemed so into the idea of working with Moro and being reinvigorated that right away they had a very good uh, back and forth, whereas he doesn't really have that with JBL or, uh, or Otunga yet. But I think Otunga did a decent job as far as the show. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was an enjoyable show. Some weird stuff like we talked about, but enough bright spots that overall I enjoyed it, and I think we had a pretty decent back-to-back slate of main shows this week. I thought Otunga did better this week, but he has those moments, and I talked about this uh, last week, he just has those moments where, to me, he sounds like, you know when your local news station lets a high schooler come on and do a report about their community? Like, I feel like um, Otunga has those moments where he just sort of says some sort of platitude thing, like, this will be interesting to see, you know, or that's right, it is often tough. Like, he just sort of chimes in with something that doesn't really say anything. And that's where I get my hiccup with Otunga is, but I did think he was better this week. And I'll come into his own, but to what you were saying about Lawler, I mean, there's just, you know, no comparison. I mean, when you look at his experience versus Otunga's in doing commentating, and uh, obviously Otunga, you know, he'll come along, he'll develop. So Raj, uh, we have some uh, questions this week. Uh, well, let's get to uh, Paige Alberto Del Rio. Uh, uh, Dave Meltzer recently reporting that Alberto Del Rio has an out clause in his contract in September. Uh, kind of followed it up by, uh, you know, uh, speculating but hinting that the, the the major reason that Del Rio and Paige are on se- separate brands. Uh, it's because of Paige's social media posts, and uh, we had mentioned that before. And after the draft, Paige had removed all her social media posts, uh, put them back. Uh, Paige has been removed from the upcoming uh, WWE tour in Australia and New Zealand. Um, yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see with both of them, with Del Rio and Paige, uh, if if Del Rio does indeed have an out clause, uh, if that's something we'd want to utilize, because he hasn't, you know, he was making really good money with a far easier schedule and being booked as a top guy, whereas he's kind of nothing right now. David? As far as Paige, I gotta say, this the the whole thing, her being pulled from the tour and the timing, it makes me a little worried about her. I mean, 
actually to the point where it seems like it's probably a good thing that they pulled her from the tour because you know we're only it was after money in the banks so we're only a little over a month removed from whatever actually happened in Vegas um, that which you know to recap for those who don't remember exactly what happened photos showed up online where it, it looked like she was maybe being arrested or something outside of her t hotel it didn't turn out to be that I talked to the you know the public information officer for the police, it was a weird thing where because technically it became a medical situation, so they couldn't actually name her, but they could call her the woman in the pictures, and she was the woman in the pictures. Um, all they would say was that the woman ran out into traffic. Some cops who were already there for an unrelated incident were flagged down by people who saw what was happening. They intervened. She ended up being sent to the hospital, and that's all they'd say. I know Del Rio had his own version, but... I don't entirely believe that's all that happened or that that's even what happened because, you know, I talked directly to the cops about it. Uh, his tone, the cop, when I talked to him, was that this was a fairly serious situation. Um, if you go by the social media post, too, I mean, not to armchair psycho be armchair psychologist on it, but seems like there's something going on, whatever it is. I hope she's okay and that this time off is good for her and yeah, but it's, it seems like there's a fairly dicey situation going on that we don't know all the details of. Raj? Uh, yeah, I guess, and, and finally, the, the stuff with Jimmy Snuka this week. Uh, the prosecutors, um, which is kind of odd, asking to have the case thrown out because uh, they wouldn't allow Snuka to undergo outpatient treatment, and I guess the prosecution felt like the case was a lost cause at that point. Uh, David, have you been looking into this? Yeah, it's a little, it's a weird thing. It, the prosecutors, I guess, feeling it's frozen at this point. There's nothing else that's actually going to happen. Ask the judge to just dismiss the charges at this point. And of course, the defense went along with it. The judge was like, eh, no, let's see what happens. Even though both sides were saying, well, if you're agreeing he has dementia and that you know, obviously that wouldn't get better. What What is there to wait for, especially if you're not going to give him treatment? But the, the judge, she uh, wants to kind of wait it out and wait till the next hearing at least before moving further. And it, that's uh, still several months from now. Although, uh, worth noting that it was brought up, the whole WrestleCon thing, that he had been listed on the, the list of guests for autographs at next year's WrestleCon, WrestleMania weekend, that came up in court, and Snuggs' defense attorney um, seemed like it might, he might have uh, fibbed a little bit because he said, "Oh, you know, these autograph signings they'll they'll bill Snuggs as appearing to get more people to buy tickets." But that's not something high spots would do. They are fair above board when it comes to this. They're the ones behind WrestleCon, so. Not sure what to think of that, but yeah, for now, at least uh, looks like the case is continuing. I don't know if anything is actually going to happen, you know, effectively, but for now, it's still going on, and there will still be the next hearing in several months. Cool. Well, I'm sure we'll uh, keep following the story as it develops. So thanks, everyone, again, for joining us for another installment of the Wrestling Inc. podcast. This is our new time, Wednesdays at 12 noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, where we come and talk about SmackDown Live. And, of course, Monday nights, Monday night Raw recaps happening immediately after the show ends on the East Coast. So around 8 p.m.-ish uh, West Coast time, 11 p.m. East Coast time. 
Monday nights. Uh, we'll be back uh, this Monday. Raj, Matt Morgan will be joining us again. Do you want to? Uh, yeah, yeah. He'll be with us every week. Yeah, so uh, look forward to that. We had a great talk on Monday. David, thanks for joining us today. Again, uh, check out David's ebook, The Great White Hope, available now everywhere finer ebooks are sold. You can find us all on Twitter, and uh, we'll see you back here Monday to talk about Raw on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.